This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we get into the mental side of sports. You know, this show's been here for 18 years. I've been on the radio for 28 years in Kansas City. Our show's now on in a lot of cities around the country. And we talk about different topics on this show every week pertaining to your mindset, your attitude, your focus, building or destroying confidence, the world of kids' sports, youth sports, how parents and coaches can ruin the world of youth sports. And we delve into this topic every week. I've been a sports psychologist for 39 years in the Kansas City area. I work with athletes all over the country. And, you know, I love doing this show because we get into topics that I think people are going to be interested in listening to and talking about. And today we're going to get into something that I think every parent will probably be interested in listening to. If you've listened to our show before, you know I co-authored a book a couple years ago with Kansas City Royals Hall of Famer Jeff Montgomery and USA Hall of Fame swimming coach Pete Malone. I've known both Jeff and Pete for years. Uh, Jeff was a member of the Royals when I was their first sports psychologist back in 1990. Met him subsequently uh, after he retired. He ended up coaching my older son, Jonathan, for a couple of years playing baseball. Pete and I met back in 1983 and I worked with his team for almost 30 years, the Kansas City Blazers Swim Club, which produced five Olympic gold medalists amongst almost 10,000 kids who went on to swim at some level, including my younger son who swam into college. I've had the experience as a parent going to youth sports games. I had the experience as a consultant watching youth sports games. And I've seen such a change in the world of youth sports today because the pressure to win, the pressure to have to beat people has consumed so many adults that it's ruining it for kids. Today we're going to have a guest on. We'll bring him on towards the end of our first segment. His name is Brian and he's in Montgomery, Alabama. He listens to the show, to our podcasts and contacted me because he wanted to come on the show about a scenario that's happened with his son's football team. We'll bring him on a little bit, but I want to start off by saying, I've done some research as I do for every show, and I found the first widely documented account of parental violence at a children's sporting event in the United States came in a 1975 Sports Illustrated article. It detailed a football game in Kissimmee, Florida, right outside of Orlando. A mob of adults attacked four coaches of a winning team of 12-year-olds with clubs and pipes 
sending one coach to the hospital. A cry from the crowd said, he's dead, apparently satisfied the mob, and it withdrew just before the police arrived. The coach was not dead, only unconscious for hours. Then in 2000, someone actually was killed. His name was Michael Costner, a 40-year-old father of four, was on a rink supervising a kid's hockey game in Reading, Massachusetts. He was apparently encouraging his son's team to hit, check, and slash their opponents, something that didn't go down well with other parents. Thomas Hunter, whose son was on the opposition team, confronted Costin, and according to witnesses, got involved in a shoving match that ended with Hunter, who weighed three hundred, or excuse me, two hundred seventy pounds, sitting on Costin's chest. A medical examiner reported Costin died when an artery at the base of his brain was severed by a powerful use of force, and that he had sustained injuries in fifteen places. Hunter was convicted in two thousand and two of involuntary manslaughter. Now. You may sit here and say, oh, come on, Doc, why are you saying stuff like that? I'll tell you why. Because things are getting to a point now where I hear this stuff more and more. You see it on the news more and more. You hear stories more and more. We had a scenario this past summer in Colorado where a 12-year-old umpire was was attacked verbally, and then there was a fight at a youth sports game. I had a dad on from New York City who was an assistant coach on his son's soccer team and he was attacked in the handshake line after a kid on the other team punched a kid on his team as they're going through the handshake line. He grabbed that young man. These are 12-year-olds. So he wouldn't hit anybody else. And then he was attacked by three dads on the other team who pummeled him on the ground. Fortunately, it was across the street from a police station and the police came over and broke it up. What is going on? These are youth sports sports games. These are not, you know, mixed martial arts fights. They're youth sports games. We've got parents going out of control more often than you think. Now, a lot of times it may not end in physical ac- ac- actions. But a lot of time, there's all kinds of verbal stuff yelled and screamed at people, and it's absurd. So I got this email the other day from Brian from Montgomery, Alabama. He listens to the show, and he wanted to come on and talk about what's happened with him. So Brian is joining us now live. He's called in. Good morning, Brian. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Dr. Jacobs. How about yourself? Great. Thank you for calling in. And tell us a little bit got a few minutes before we go to our first break here. I, I want you to tell us the story. What's what what brought all this on? You know, you said you listen to our podcasts and uh, pick, picked us up. So I, I want to thank you for that. So tell us what encouraged you to call me. Uh, um, over overall, just over the last four years of um, watching my son play sports, I've seen a, a deteriorating culture of, of parents appreciating um, the work that the coaches do and, and interactions between them, and it kind of reached a peak um, about three weeks ago. Um, my son's football team um, is coached uh, by a gentleman who uh, doesn't have a son um, on the team. He's an excellent, tremendous coach who um, coached a high school if he wanted to coach, um, probably um, at, a, at a college if he wanted to, um, but really liked coaching. Um, and my son's in the nine and ten year old league. Um, because of the influence that he can have on kids that are that age. Um, <clears throat> he spends his own time, his own money. Um, there's a lot of 
uh, kids that are indigent, impoverished, that can't afford uh, pads, cleats, um, the things that you need to play football. And he uh, provides those things out of his own pocket. Uh, he drives 30 minutes from where he lives um, to where our practices are two and three times a week and then to where the games are. Um, so he's really pouring himself out, um, doing everything he can for these kids. And um, historically, we've, we've done really well. We've had really good teams. He's a great coach. And um, we're usually in a championship every year if we don't win the championship. And this, this year was a little bit different. Um, we, had, we didn't have quite the turnout with the kids that we usually did. Kids are a little bit smaller. I made up primarily of 9-year-olds instead of 10-year-olds playing in a mostly 10-year-old league. Um, so we haven't been winning the way that we used to win. And um, that started to, to take a toll, I guess, on the parents as far as the interactions uh, with the head coach and putting a lot of this stuff. Okay, well then what uh, I what I want to do, we've got to go to our first break here, but I want to do when we come back from our break, Ryan, is I want you to tell us what happened because this is a interesting story. And this type of stuff is happening more and more because I keep hearing about it more and more. And you're going to share the story with us, and we're going to open up our phone lines. If you're a coach or a parent, you want to comment on what Brian's going to say, I want you to call us in. You know, youth sports is supposed to be about having fun, learning, fundamentals, growing, and enjoying the experience. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years. And with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. 
Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm every week talking about the mental side of sports. And today's topic is the issue of parental, I guess, parental violence, out-of-control parents at youth sporting events. And uh, on the phone with us is Brian from Montgomery, Alabama, who sent me an email this week. He listens to our podcast. And Brian mentioned that he wanted to call in and talk about a, an issue he has. So, Brian, we uh, got interrupted by our break there. So go ahead and let, let's continue with, with what's going on. Finish, finish okay. up telling us what's happening. <clears throat> yeah. So um, as I was kind of saying, um, we have a tremendous cho- coach that volunteers his time, uh, treasures, resources uh, to coach these kids. And um, the season hasn't been as good as some of the previous seasons. And um, that hasn't bode well with, um, with the parents of the team. And, uh, each game has kind of gotten worse and worse, and uh, reached a peak about three weeks ago. Let me let me let me interrupt um, you real quick here. Now, this is nine and ten year old youth tackle football. That's correct. And is it? And what kind of a league is this? Is it a competitive league, a rec league? Explain to everybody what kind of league it is. Um, it's a competitive um, municipal recreation league. We represent a small town outside of Montgomery, and then we go and travel and play other small towns. Um, every Saturday, so um, we travel probably within an hour to an hour and a half um, every Saturday, or they come to us. And is that because? And is that because down. you're in a smaller area, so you need to, to play other teams? You got to travel a little bit. That's right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, 
about three weeks ago it reached its peak. We were playing a team that we had already beaten once in the season, um, and they they had our number this time again. And, um, and the heckling, the, the games previous to that, had coming from the parents on the sidelines, had picked up, and it, and it really reached the peak in this game. On your um, team, where the, the parents on oh, your yeah, team. on our team, exactly. Parents on our team yelling at our coach. And you're an, ass- and you're an assistant. Wrong. And you're an assistant coach. That's that's correct. I'm okay. an assistant coach, so uh, I'm over there with the head coaches. We're going in playing, and um, you know, it, no matter what we do, all these different plays. Uh, it's not working, and, and so we're frustrated that it's not working, too. Well, so are the parents, but the parents find it necessary that they need to yell at the coach and basically tell him what an idiot he is and how it's not working and just, you know, um, it's, it's like erosion heckling, just constant, constant, constant. And finally, the head coach turns around and tells the guy, and says, look, if you want to coach these kids, you need to put in an application at the beginning of the year and come coach these kids, but right now I'm coaching, so I'd appreciate it if you backed off and allowed us to coach. Thanks, and he turned around. Well, <clears throat> that set uh, one of the gentlemen off, and from that point, probably for the next ten or fifteen minutes, um, he got to just cut the, the coach out. And the only thing in between him and you know the sidelines and the coach is the players. So we have a bunch of, of nine and ten year olds that are sitting there listening to one of these dads um, cuts out the head coach of their football team, and the head coach has to just sit there and take it. Um, you know, meanwhile, while we're trying to call plays and trying to get back in the game and win, um, you've got uh, this head coach who's sitting there, or excuse me, this parent who's sitting there cussing out our head coach um, ad nauseum and threatening him and, and all these different things. So, Threat, threatening um, him in what way, Brian? Um, and I don't remember the exact words, but, um, I mean, it was just, it was, you know, very much understood that he didn't appreciate what the coach had to say to him, and he was... Um, Hurling insults and, and, and it was it was very intimidating. Again, I don't remember exactly what the words were, but it was it was so much so that when the game ended, um, I felt it necessary to walk with the head coach back to his vehicle uh, to make sure nothing happened to him. Really? Yeah. So, this dad did he follow him to the car? We we saw him, um, and you know there there was definitely you know potential for something to happen, but. Um, he, nothing, nothing, you know, I would say by the grace of God, nothing happened. Um, it was definitely an elevated, heated, volatile situation. Um, this league has had things like this happen before. Um, it has. Where, you know, yeah. Okay, so, so look. Coaches have gotten into shoving matches and stuff like that. So. All right, let me, let me uh, interject here. So, this is a league of about how many teams? Um, I, I would say about eight teams, eight or nine teams. Okay, is there a pre, you're you're one of the assistant coaches? So so are you now the head coach? Or are you now the guy in charge? Um, after the head coach stepped down, I actually um I I was going to take over the head coaching duties and um and I actually passed on that just because there is too too much other stuff going on. Is your season done? Or are you still playing? I ended yesterday. And how did that go? Um, the the team ended up losing, and um, and just to clarify, I ended up stepping down and not coaching anymore, um, basically because of how um, the board had handled situations like these and a number of other situations this year, um, not handling, not backing the coaches, not doing the things that they're supposed to do to to um, keep things the way they're supposed to be, and I didn't see that changing, so I and another one of the assistant coaches had stepped down too, uh, and. Took my son off of the football team. Okay, um, let me let, 
let me let me ask you. You know, I, I I don't encourage people to quit, but in terms of situations like this, I think it was the right thing to do. I want to get into discussion with you about this because there's a bunch of things. You know, on this show for years, I've talked about youth sports, the problems with youth sports, and what we need to do about it. First of all, does your league have any coaches training, any parents training about sportsmanship? Uh, not about sportsmanship. It's all concussion-related training. Okay. Then your league needs to be reported to whatever organization there is in the state of Alabama about the fact that this is not going on. There, there needs to be education and a discussion with the coaches and parents, first of all, about sportsmanship. I don't care about winning and losing at nine years of age. I care about learning, having fun, growing, learning fundamentals, understanding how to compete, learn, learning skills. Winning and losing is irrelevant. When you have a parent in the stands cursing out the coach, threatening the coach, okay, first of all, that parent should be removed from the game, okay? There needs to be a philosophy, a league philosophy on parental, verbal, as well as physical violence. Is there one or is there not one? Or you don't know? I don't know. I mean, if, if there is, it certainly isn't enforced, and that goes back to the, the issue with the board. Okay. So what was reported to the board about this situation? Um, I mean, everything. They, they, I mean, the members of the board were there at the game as it was happening. They were there. And, what, were there. Did, and what did they do while they were there? Did anyone try to stop this individual? Did anyone try to encourage him to calm down? Um, be, being as that we were coaching, I couldn't constantly turn around and see exactly what was going on. I think someone probably eventually, whether it be a board member or just another parent, that was like, hey, man, you know, enough is enough. You know, let it go. Um, and probably calm the situation down. Again, I don't know who the individual was that did that as we were still coaching, but um, someone did. And, it, you know, <laughs> nice to think it was one of the board members, but I don't know. Okay. We're going to go to our next break here, Brian. We're going to come back and talk about solutions. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm talking from, with Brian from Montgomery, Alabama. He's a parent, a coach, who listens to our podcast, wanted to call up the show to talk about the situation, a very disturbing situation at his son's 9- and 10-year-old youth football game where a parent verbally blasted the coach. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Give us a call. If you're a coach or parent, I'd like to hear from you. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. 
one more time. To get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition, and Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 10 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. Today I'm talking with Brian, who's a dad down in Montgomery, Alabama, who listens to our show via podcast. And by the way, just found out this past week, over 50,000 replays of our shows have been listened to via podcast, which is a... Uh, pretty interesting. I didn't realize that many people have been listening to this. Our show's being uh, listened to actually uh, places all around the world. The third most popular city is Dublin, Ireland, which is interesting. Anyway, Brian, 
So you've got the yeah. situation with your son. Let, let, let's start. What did you say to your son about all this? Because that's the most important thing here, how your son ha- is going to respond and learn from this situation. Let's start with that. Then I've got a bunch of other questions for you. Um, it, it's And again, um, due to the nature of he didn't hear any of it. He was out on the field uh, the entire time. He plays offense and defense, as was the, the gentleman who was cussing out the head coach. His, his kids were out on the field, so they didn't hear see any of it. Kids? The, he um, has more than one son playing? Yeah, he has uh, a couple kids that were playing, and they both um, – they're both on the field playing the whole time. So, um, the, Brennan didn't hear it, um, but, but at the same time, I, uh, that's my son, and um, I still took the time to you know talk to him and explain you know kind of what happened, um, and just that it, you know those type of things are unacceptable, and then obviously I had to explain to him um, also why we were stepping away from the league and that he wasn't going to be able to finish the season. Okay, so what did he um, say? What did your son say? Um, I, we we have a, a very mature son, and and he he even said that um, the president of the board was the one who ended up taking over the team as the head coach uh, once we stepped away, and um, he he had seen some of the things and and some of the things that were going on with the head coach, and said you know he really didn't want to play um, for for that gentleman, and um, he 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 could pick up on the fact that things weren't right. Um, he's been playing for four or five years now. Um, and he knows that this has been a weird season, a lot of you know, and a lot of deteriorating culture and things like that. And uh, he wasn't, and he's he's certainly not a quitter. He's you know one of the star players on the team, has won several championships. So your son's been playing tackle so, football since he was four or five, six, six yeah. tackle six, football at six. See, I've got I I just I don't think kids should be playing tackle football at age six, but that's my own opinion. Anyway, let, we'll get into that's another topic. Okay, so <laughs> so we have a situation here with an out of control parent who. Obviously, is not a good role model for his kids if this is how he acts. Because what do you think his kids are going to learn from that? Because I, I'm almost sure that his kids have reacted in similar fashions. Have you seen that? Not as much, but I mean, it's what you could expect. Um, you know, from um, just in the future, that I mean, that that's going to be the attitude. And that's going to be you know, not just with his kids, but other people really um, in in the neighborhood. I mean, if, if our board and, and people don't see that this is a problem then you're going to allow not only just for his kids to pick up on that behavior, um, but it's going to be acceptable behavior to, to everybody out there. Well, um, Brian, obvi- obviously the fact that you wanted to call in and talk to me on, on, on air about this says you've got a concern for it. So let's talk about what solutions can be done, okay? First of all, there needs this, this league needs to implement a sportsmanship program, and there needs to be a mandatory sportsmanship program for parents and coaches. Okay, there are sportsmanship programs around the country. I I come and give speeches. There are all kinds of people that do this. Okay, there needs to be a program instituted for this league, and the topic of sportsmanship needs to be explained, and there need to be rules set up. Behavior, you know, there need to be rules about behaviors. If this individual is going to act like this at a game, he should be banned. Okay, he should be not allowed to come. This is my opinion. He should not be allowed to come back and watch his sons play until he's attended a sportsmanship program, and actually what he should do and this, I've talked about this before, and I want to get your thoughts. I think when you have an out-of-control parent, or an out-of-control coach for that matter, at a youth sports game, they, in order to come back after being suspended and going to a sportsmanship program, they should be required to learn how to be an official. Referee, umpire, whatever. And have to spend a season refereeing. What do you think about that? <laughs> I think that would fix the problem very quickly. 
because they, they have it even worse than the coaches. Well, yeah. So when you have a guy who's acting like this, inappropriate, I mean, what kind of role model is this for his kids? And what's this say? Okay, so, so we've got that situation. What about the other parents in the stands, Brian? What were they doing? Um, <clears throat> I'm sure they weren't really happy. Um, uh, based off of, you know, when the head coach stepped down, there, there was a lot of coaches, or excuse me, a lot of parents that weren't very happy about it and, and had some choice things to say that weren't too pleased. No, but what about in that, in, that, in that game when he was verbally accosting your coach? What was going on with the other parents? What were they doing? Were they were they re- reinforcing this? Were they moving away from him? Were they trying to calm him down? What was the, going on? A mix between moving away and trying to calm him down. Um, there certainly weren't uh, anybody else that was on board with what was going on. And I mean, again, <clears throat> I was coaching the football game, so it was you know basically I'm facing the field and I'm hearing this stuff behind me as is the head coach. So we didn't have a you know to the wherewithal to be able to turn around and see exactly what was going on. But um, it. That behavior definitely wasn't supported by the rest of the parents. Okay, in the state of Alabama, and I'm not in Alabama, I'm in Kansas, okay, in, in the Kansas and Missouri area. In the state of Alabama, is there a youth sports organization? Um, I'm not sure. Um, well, I think you should look into I, that. Um, I think you should see if there's some kind of a youth sports organization, youth football sports, or there has to be some kind of organization that your team, the league your team was in. And I would, I would contact these people and tell them what went on. And something needs to be done. Okay, because here's the problem, Brian. What do these boys who are playing in this game, what are they learning from this? Because you can say they're out there on the field, but they ha- they, a lot of them, there are kids on the sideline that heard it, right? Yes, there were. Okay, oh, yeah. I guarantee you they heard this. So what are they learning from this? And what's being, what's being taught to these kids about this behavior? Well, you know, if no one talks about it, then you know what happens to me? To me, what it says, Brian, it's okay. Okay, you said your son's a lot more mature for his age than than than, than his age. Okay, being being how old is he? Nine or ten? How old is he? Ten. He just turned ten. Okay, so he's mature for his age. But but you know when you've got a, a young man there who sees this and isn't told that anything's wrong about it, what do you think he's going to do the next next game he's at? He might he might start saying things. Yeah. So I um, think there needs yeah. to be go go ahead. Um, and you you can even see that in in. Uh, this season, there was more pushback from the players to the coaches than we'd ever seen. It's kind of this whole culture of, you know, the coach doesn't know what he's doing type of um, attitude and behavior, and it's it's reflective of what they're hearing in the vehicles when they're driving home and driving, you know, to practice and things like that. Okay, so my my suggestion is that you need to contact first of all the the people in charge of this board, then whoever runs the league. And then in the state of Alabama, there has to be some kind of youth sports organization. There are youth sports organizations all over the country. And I would contact them. I would contact National Alliance for Youth Sports. Okay, I would contact the, the PCA Positive Coaching uh, Association and find out what can be done about teaching some, some sportsmanship programs for this, this team and this organization. And this, this father, so basically... After the game, he just he just left. Nobody really disciplined him or told him he can't come back. Nothing was really said, right? Other than that, he and, and this coach was said absolutely nothing was said by anybody in the in, in in the board. Okay, so so is it is it? It makes a lot of sense why we've got these problems because they're not addressed. Okay, is this was this guy pretty big guys loud? I, yeah, no, it w- wouldn't have been a fun situation if if something did go down. I'll put it that way. Okay, so so he was he was pretty volatile. He was pretty angry, and consequently, 
cause problems. Listen, Brian, I'm going to let you go. I want to thank you for calling in. I want to thank you for listening. I'd like you to follow up and give me a call back. Get a hold of me personally at my office. Let me know what happens here because this is this is a situation. So the problem is, what are these kids learning? You know, yeah. what did your son learn? What are these kids learn? I want to thank you for calling in. And this is a problem that needs to be addressed, and you need to take charge of it because you took the, the, the initiative to give me a call and talk about it. I'd like to follow, you to follow up with some of this and, and let me know what happens. Yeah, I think this will be really good, and, and I actually think that the the overall league will actually be very welcome to the sportsmanship training and, and trying to improve the culture. So thank you, Dr. Jacobs. Well, have your board listen to this show. You know, our shows are yep, podcasted. You, you obviously know how to do that. So have them get some of these people to listen to this. And I'd be glad okay. to talk to them about it because this is a problem, and I'm concerned about these kids and what they're learning. Brian, thank you for calling in. Good luck, and uh, get back in touch with me, okay? All right. Thanks, Dr. Jacobs. Thank you, sir. Have a good good morning. Appreciate it. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. We're going to go to our last break. I want to come back and get some calls and talk about this. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. 
but the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed that discussion because, you know, this topic, the, 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 the world of youth sports and what kids are learning and role modeling happens all the time. And parental behavior, coaches' behavior impacts kids positively and or negatively. And that whole situation with Brian calling in from Alabama with his parents, with, with the parents' behavior on the sidelines is disgusting. Threatening a coach, cursing at him, yelling at him during a game because he didn't like the way the game's going at a 9 and 10, a nine and ten year old football game. So if you are a coach and you've had this situation before, what, would you, what did you do? I'd like to hear from you if you've coached. And you've had this situation, or you're a parent, you've sat in the stands, and there's another parent on your team starting to go ballistic about the game. What do you do? Everyone has dealt with this at some point. Everyone's dealt with this at some point. What do you do? Do you move away from that person? Do you try to calm them down? Do you ignore it? We've all been there. We've all seen these parents who get crazy at a youth sports game because they're not happy with the score, the way their son or daughter's playing, the way their son or daughter's being treated. They don't like the direction the game's going. So what do you do? Do you sit in your hands? Do you move away? Do you go get an official? Do you get a supervisor? A security person, what do you do? And if you're a coach, what do you do? Unfortunately, this is a topic that a lot of people don't like to talk about because they don't want, oh, that's not going to happen, and then it does. So I think there need to be rules and guidelines set up in every youth sports organization. Obviously, this football organization in Montgomery, Alabama, doesn't have any, or Brian wasn't aware of it, if they did. There should be a mandatory sportsmanship training program for coaches and officials, and then it needs to be carried on with parents. Now, the problem is, when you say mandatory sportsmanship program for parents, you say it's going to be, our, you know, we're going to get our, our league get going, our season's going to get going, we're going to have a mandatory parents meeting Tuesday night at 7.30. Well, let's say the parents work or they're out of town. Then what do you do? You say their kids can't play because they didn't come to the sportsmanship training? No. You've got to find a way to get the information to them. But there needs to be guidelines. There need to be guidelines set up and training set up for people. And a coach needs to meet with parents about parental behavior on the sidelines. It's that simple. You need to have 
some parameters on what's acceptable and what isn't. If you are a parent and you're unhappy with your youth sports coach, with your child's youth sports coach, you certainly should have the opportunity to talk to that person, but you need to do it in an appropriate way. You don't scream and yell at him at a game or her at the game or follow him after the game. I've shared this story years ago. I've dealt with this myself. Years ago, my younger son Gregory was playing rec baseball. Rec baseball. I think he was 10. He's 28 now, so it's been a while. We had a game where I was the third base coach. There was a six run per inning limit. Six run per inning limit. We're scoring a lot of runs. All of a sudden, I hear a woman yelling at me from the top of the bleachers. Hey, third base coach, third base coach. I turn around and she points at me. Yeah, you. Quit piling up the score. I just turned around like, okay, lady, you obviously know what's going on here. We score a couple more runs. We scored our six runs. The inning's over. I go back to the dugout and our coach, great guy, his name's John, says, what was that about? So I told him, he goes, oh, she obviously doesn't know the rules. So the next inning, young man gets up, gets on base, gets to second. The third base coach is encouraging him to try to get the third. He gets thrown out on the way there. He trips and falls about five feet before third base and gets tagged out. He stands up and kicks his helmet. Kicks it. I'm like, whoa. The third base coach comes over, grabs him, gets on his knees, and is talking to him. Obviously the right thing to do. Wasn't screaming or yelling, got down on his knees, had him by the shoulders and was talking to him. As this is going on, I notice the woman who was yelling at me from the top of the bleachers vaults off the top of the bleachers, jumps down, runs onto the field, and grabs this young man. The coach is then grabbing him from his other arm. They're doing a tug of war. We're all watching this. Then the coach grabs his, goes his pocket and gives her the keys. It's obviously his wife. She goes off, leaves. The game continues. That was quite entertaining, I must say. We then finish the game. As the game is over, I'm helping John walk to the car carrying the bat bags. He's about 10 feet in front of me. As we're walking, this woman jumps out of the car she was in and jumps on top of John and knocks him down. She then gets pulled off by several people, screaming and yelling at him about that we piled up the score. Okay. That's a marriage that probably needed some marital counseling. I should have given them my card. But I'm watching this, and I'm sitting here thinking, and my kids are there, both my sons are there, and my wife at the time, because I was married then, and we, we discussed it in the car on the way home. We discussed that behavior on the way home. This stuff goes on more frequently, hopefully not that specific thing, but this type of behavior goes on more frequently than we know. Why? Because people have to win. They've got to be better than everybody else. 
Where has enjoyment gone in the world of youth sports? Where did where did it go? We go out and play, have a good time, enjoy watching the game, go get some pizza or chicken sandwiches after the game, go home and relax. Why? Because we've become so competitive and so focused on winning and having to beat everybody, having to be better than everybody. Because there's this pressure to get scholarships, pressure to play in high school, pressure to play professionally. You know, the the number of people who make it to the collegiate level who start at youth sports is, is not very strong, let alone to the professional level. I work with a lot of professional athletes. I work with a number of professional athletes. Right now I'm working with several NFL athletes on different teams around the country. And we talk, we've talked about this. You know, how they've gotten to where they are. And they've all told me, you know what, Doc? I had fun playing sports when I was a kid. They've all told me this. They had fun. They learned fundamentals. They learned skills. They enjoyed the experience. None of them had parents who pushed them and demanded they play professionally. And none of them thought they'd even play professionally when they were 10 or 11. But now they are. And they all told me, every one of these guys who I work with have had parents who've been supportive and reinforcing and encouraging. I have one individual, grew up in a, in, in a low-income area, didn't have a father. His mother's been totally supportive of him. He's a, a nose tackle in the NFL. He's a very large man and a wonderful human being. And his mom raised him the right way. Even though she was a single parent, but she had a value system. We've got to look at this topic and work on it because I guarantee you this topic that we talked about today happens a lot. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hope you enjoyed this show today. Hope you enjoyed my, enjoyed my interview with Brian from in Montgomery, Alabama. And I'd like to encourage people who listen to our podcast. If you've got questions or comments, want to get a hold of me, you'd like to be on the show. Give me a call. Our number, my phone number is 816 816- Five six one five 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 six at my office eight one six five six one five 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 six. You can reach me in an email at drj at winnersunlimited dot com w i n n e r s unlimited dot com. Our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio eight ten WHB. Go to the website, click on additional programming, and you'll find it. Our shows are also podcasted on my website winnersunlimited dot com. You can follow me on Twitter at, at drj sports at D-R-J-S-P-O-R-T-P-S-Y-C-H. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Have a great week. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist... With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. 
If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back... When your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country, and tragically, More than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. <laughs> 